Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Oh, it is time for seven deals in seven days, Fred. He came up with this topic and I'm like, he didn't come up with the topic. He lived it. He was like, I just opened seven escrows in seven days. And I said, Fred Wilson, how the heck do you do that? So guys, welcome to back to the show. Fred Wilson, how are you feeling, Fred? I'm well, I'm feeling good. Uh, I hope the same for all. Yeah, no, life is good. And in case people missed your first appearance, I mean, you've been doing real estate since when the, I mean, we're talking 20 years, 1990, 1990. Yeah. 1990. My 31st year here. 31st year. So he knows a thing or two and you've been consistently selling homes at a very, very high level for a very long time, which makes you probably one of the most qualified human beings to dive into this topic of seven deals in seven days. Those of you who are on camera, I have a few of you here. Most of you are just kind of in listen up. Oh, it's just you, me and Lisa. All right. So those of you who are not on camera, raise your hand anyway. Okay, I want you to raise your hand. How many of you would like to figure out how to open seven deals, open seven escrows in seven days? Raise your, raise your metaphysical hand. All right, good. So Fred, start me from the top. And if there's any background details that people, Fran's clapping, cool, I like it. If there's any background details that people need to know on you, is there anything we need to know before we dive in here? Um, <clears throat> no, I would say that, uh, you know, I'm also a, I'm a full-time practicing agent. I'm a full-time practicing coach. So I'm that guy who doesn't just preach from the podium, but I teach from the trench. So the the things that I do and that I talk about come from my own business, if that is at all an advantage for a listener. Um, it's not theory so much as it is practice. Um, the other thing is, you know, I not only have averaged a, a deal a week, actually technically more than that uh, for 30 years running, um, uh, but I do it without any marketing. Um, I don't have a database that I rely on. I don't email people. I don't have a brand. People don't know who I am. So it's a very different model than the other models. Now, I so dig the whole build your business and, and, and I could grow in lots of ways by doing that. But I'm so busy doing business now that I don't really have time. And I enjoy, you know, the ability to walk out of my door or get on the phone and identify a new business without all the breakage. What is breakage? That means uh, cost, time, and, and effort. So at, on, on the opening to your agent power huddle, it said, you know, how to do more business more, more often. My byline is how to make more money faster and easier. I mean, that's to me the whole thing. So yeah, there's a little bit of backstory there. I love that backstory because it gives us plenty of places to dive into. I love that no one knows who Fred Wilson is. I'd question, do you even know who Fred Wilson is? I mean, sometimes you just, right? You just wake up and do stuff. All right. So, so let's, so, so let's talk about the things that, that you, do you want to talk about the breakage first without the breakage? Do you want to talk about the things you're doing to generate a deal? I mean, a deal a week on average, amazing, but seven deals in seven days is pretty, I mean. And the funny thing is on Friday, I did four in one day. <laughs> All right. So, so, so what are you doing to get, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for 30 years, but you've been doing it consistently. So it wasn't like it just built up, built up, built up. And now it's happening. It's been every year consistently. What are you doing to generate that much business? And is it duplicatable? Well, another illustration is as of Jan one, I've averaged three deals a week. So a little over that. So again, how are you doing this, Fred? Um, I'm using something called the production model. 
what's the production model? The production model is the things that I do, which are basically four things. Uh, they're bottled into an online program. So people can take this program and learn the production model. Okay. So uh, I am the, you know, developer of the production model, but I'm also its chief practitioner, if you will. In other words, I do the things that I teach. Um, I don't do anything else. Uh, uh, what is it that I do? Well, uh, these four things, if you will, one is uh, I take a different look at how the business works uh, and not so much how the business works, but how opportunity works, Jesse. Most agents do not understand the phenomena of opportunity. And I know this because most human beings don't understand it. And agents are people. So <laughs> 97, 98% of all human beings don't really understand how opportunity works. However, they all agree that opportunity is a good thing and that more is better. We all agree with that. I agree. I 100% yes. agree. I don't, now I'm questioning if I even know what opportunity is. Well, so, you, you, and that's the thing. See, you know what opportunity is when you see it. Right. For sure. Right. Somebody says, Jesse, I want to write this house up and close by Friday. You know, that's an opportunity and you know what to do. Yeah. Okay. We all recognize opportunity once it's in front of us. The thing we don't understand is that opportunity is always there, but under the surface. Mm. And it's always there because life in terms of real estate happening is a perfect storm. What do I mean by that? Everybody is changing fact and everybody seeks shelter, which is psych for real estate. And because everybody's changing and everybody has real estate wants and needs, everybody's real estate potential is in a moving scenario might be moving, not out of a house, but I mean, changing their real estate wants and needs over a period of several years, or it might be immediate, but there's always that pressure for domicile change and pressure. Sometimes not like financial pressure or professional pressure, you know, retirement transfer to a new city, how about marriage? How about divorce? How about birth? How about death? You see, change is the driver in real estate sales, not the economy. The economy changing drives real estate sales, right? It's change and it's everywhere and it's constant and everybody lives somewhere. So I know there is always opportunity. I just don't know where. And so I've developed the ability to identify where that other agents don't know. Hence, I now teach it. I love it. And, yeah. and, so, and so, so how, how do you, how do you look for it? Like, like what, what do you do to say, cause that is a, a very good skill in real estate. And I feel like one of those things that as a newer agent, I often see agents spinning their wheels, doing things that like, after you, you get more experience, you stop doing it. But how do you consciously strategically tactically do that? Well, there, there are certain things you can do specifically. Um, one is to decide you want to become opportunative in your thinking. So let me explain. Normally in success training and go get it, people, the training's out there. It's go get it. Okay. I'm all for coaching and all the coaches, uh, but we're taught be positive. Don't be negative. Makes sense. Right. You know, can do hang in there, never give up, you know, be optimistic. That's good. And you should do that. Don't be negative. Don't be cynical. Don't be, you know, critical. Makes sense because when you're positive, it keeps you in the game. When you're negative, it takes you out of the game. So pretty basic. But in real estate sales, 
if you're using as a strategy to succeed, be positive, it's not going to get you paid often enough. This is why people develop all these other programs to generate business, right? If it was just, I'm positive, work with me, you know, it could be a cold day in August before you get your next check. Fair. So, Fair. so you do want to be positive so that you don't take yourself out of the game, but you know, you have to have something more. And so I learned over the years that that more is being opportunitive. Now, let me clarify, not opportunistic opportunism is the tendency to take the most expedient course of action, irregardless of ethical principles. So you get yours before they get it. There isn't enough to go around. So you got to be hawkish, right? That kind of thing. Uh, Being opportunitive, like being positive V negative, being opportunitive is the opposite of being scarcitive. Now, these are my words because I had to wordsmith them because they weren't in the dictionary. And I realized that we weren't doing it right. So, Opportunitive is when you understand how opportunity works, you tune into it more often and take advantage of it or tap into it more, more effectively. Hmm. Being scarcitive is when you don't think there's enough opportunity to go around. You believe in opportunity, but there's not enough to go around. So you have to get busy creating it some other day in the future. And that is a viable technique, by the way, but it takes time, money, and effort. With my model, you wake up in the morning and you start talking with people in what I call discovery mode. And again, we'll talk about it and I teach it and you identify business you would otherwise have missed. In other words, when you learn to open up to how opportunity works and you develop your skills to identify it more readily, you get what I call more reveals, more opportunities that you then recognize. And you know what to do with it when you recognize it. That's not the problem. Question isn't if there's opportunity. The question is, do you recognize it? Once you recognize it, you know what to do with it. So take my seven deals in seven days as an example, the genesis of some of those. Uh, One of the clients. So so the way that seven deals in seven days worked was I double-sided three of my own listings. So that's six sides, right? And then I had a buyer sale. Okay, so let's look at this. The uh, genesis of some of these transactions, I'm just thinking through which ones they were. Okay, one, I get a call from an insurance broker and the insurance broker wants to know the replacement cost on this $3 million property I have in escrow because he's in Seattle, I'm down here in Southern California. And he has licenses to sell real estate in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho and California. And I found that out because I got into a discussion of discovery with him. In other words, he called me for information, but I started getting info from him. And what caused him to call you? Because you said you have no marketing. No one knows who Fred Wilson is. Is it just from years in the business or what what caused that initial call? He called me because he wanted me to tell him what it would cost to replace this property. He was writing a hazard insurance policy on a property I already had in escrow. So that buyer of mine was using this insurance guy in Seattle. My buyer is from Seattle. He was buying a a desert uh, getaway home. So his insurance broker calls me out of the blue. Okay. And I get into a discussion of discovery. Now, what do I know in my head about opportunity, people? Jesse, what do I know? To be opportunitive. That it's always there somewhere. Yeah. Right. I just don't know where. Yep. So I'm curious 
where the opportunity is. That is a paradigm shift that other agents don't enjoy, Jesse. They're going to be helpful. They're going to even try and exchange information. But they're not going to find the opportunity like I'm going to find. Mm-hmm. That's a difference maker. But it starts with opening up to the fact that it's there, but you don't know where. So you got to be curious and then you got to develop the skills to discover it. So he calls me because he wants information on a property relative to insurance. I flip the conversation casually and I get into discovery with him. And I find out that in the last two years, he went through a divorce. I found out that the house that they had, that couple was sold in the divorce. This is up in, in, uh, in Washington. It's not even in my marketplace. And I find out that it's now time to date someone else again. And he's kind of fallen in love and he's renting and she has a house and he's going to move in. And I find out that they share a love of the California desert, Palm Springs. And so I mention a property to him, which is an opportunity property, meaning something that would be of benefit. And it was something that he could rent as a vacation rental, but use himself when he wanted and kind of live for free and pop down on Alaska or Southwest, which have nonstop flights from Seattle to the desert, right? Two hours, two and a half hours, bing, bing. And they could come and go. They got on one of those planes, they came down and they bought my listing. So that was two sides. He called me about insurance, but I know opportunity is there somewhere and I know how to identify it in the way that I talk with people. Another one of those um, properties. Can, can, can we pause on that one real quick? Yes. Number one, I bet you made up the word opportunity. Yes. But I love it. Well, will you do me a favor and just point towards the bottom of your screen as if the word opportunity was written on the screen and say it out loud? Opportunity. Okay. We're going to put it up on the screen. I, I love Sesame, Sesame Street style clips. All right, cool. So, so opportunity, um, such a cool term. And then does this, cause I want you to illustrate one more. Actually, I'm going to save this question because I can already see where you're going and the skill set that this, that this is, but illustrate one more. And then I'm going to ask my, my question on, on, uh, all right, let's take another example. Yeah. So, uh, the buyer side that I had comes to mind. So I'm coming out of a listing that, that I had taken off the market. And uh, I'm walking out to the curb. And as you do, when you come up to a street, you look right and you look left because you don't want to get run over, right? You do it without thinking. Hopefully you all do. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, is that module three? Yeah, yeah. How not to get hit by a car. Oh, and in June, everybody in June, my wife was out walking and was hit by a car. So the oh, no. drivers aren't looking people. That's why you got to look. She's recovered, but it was nasty. Wow. Up over the car, broke in the windshield, the whole thing. Yeah. And she's a stud. My wife, she's exercised. She is incredible. And so she rebounded pretty good, not only off the car, but from the injuries. <laughs> too soon. But, uh, too soon. You got to meet my wife. She's, she's wonderful. Anyway. Awesome. Um, so I'm, I'm looking down and I'm looking up and I see a gray SUV coming down the street slowly and kind of stopping and then moving further. And I'm wondering they're either looking for directions, you know, kind of lost, or maybe they're looking at property. But what do I know about opportunity, people? I know it's there. I just don't know where. That's my premise. Is that your premise? Doesn't matter the situation. So this is God's truth. What happened? I step into the street and I go, 
and they look at me and they slow down. And then I make the universal window down sign as I walk around to the side of the car and they roll the window down and they go, may I help you? <laughs> may we help you? And I said, you're either lost or you're looking for property. And they go, is it that obvious? And I said, well, it was like you were rubbernecking coming down the street, right? They became my clients and the deal, the buyer side, the single buyer side I opened for 700,000. Um, in fact, we, we closed yesterday, right? And I met him at the house because that's, you know, I like to meet him initially and meet him at the end. Those are the two times I'm with my clients, <laughs> right? Everything else in the middle, I don't touch. Doesn't matter, that's another story. But the point is, uh, 700,000, um, it was a 3% deal. So do the math, $21,000 in my pocket for talking to somebody on an impromptu basis that was in their car. So opportunity is always there. And I'll give you one more real quick. Please, we got I was time. Out, this is the other, the other, one of the ones I double-sided. I was buying carpet for my studio here because I've been podcasting, as you know, for 17 years. And um, the chairs have worn through the carpet. And it got so ratty that my wife said, aren't you going to change the carpet? So, okay. So I only need like 80 square feet. It's not a big room here, my, my podcast studio. And so I go down to a little carpet store down in La Quinta, down at the bottom of the cove where I live. And uh, I wander on in. I buy the carpet I need, $750 installed, no big deal. And I get to talking to the gal who helped me. She became my client and bought my own listing. So you can do this in any situation. And when you take your formal prospecting, and, and I might've mentioned this before, and I'll try and keep it real concise here. Here's an example. This is a pre-COVID example, but it's one of the classic illustrations of this production model. I was holding an open house in a just slightly less than $3 million property that I had. <clears throat> it was near the end of the open house and a couple walked in. And I got to talking to them in discovery mode, the way I do, knowing that opportunity is always there. I just don't know where. And they closed with me three weeks later, all cash on a different property for three and a quarter at 3%. So I made $100,000. But here's the kicker. They had been in three other open houses prior to me, all veteran established agents. But I was the one who, who, who got the payday and they didn't. And they were none the wiser, Jesse. What's up with that? They had a shot before me and they did not know what to do. They thought they were doing what they should be doing, being nice, handing out their card, getting the contact information, offering to be of service. But they didn't know. If I, I said to them, did you get into discovery mode? They wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. But I made 100 because of it and they didn't. People, you want to be that agent. I'm telling you right now. I want to be that agent. So, so I have, I have two questions. The first one is, I think I already know the answer to this. Um, is this duplicatable? Totally. That's the best review I've ever gotten. I've been coaching for over 20 years is it's not rocket science. It's rocket fuel. This is doable. It is teachable. And that's why I nearly killed myself, Jesse, bottling the production model two years ago. My, my, my oldest daughter, who uh, runs a department at Microsoft, super sharp young woman, right? She said, she calls it my work coma. I went about eight months where I worked. They, they, they tracked it seven hours a day, 11 hours a day. And I still did my deal a week through the whole thing. Wow. 
But we went into the studio, we had a production company, the whole thing, and we created this online program called the production model. It's, it's multi-media, uh, multi, uh, it's, 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 it's doable, and I teach people how to do this. And I'll be honest with you, I drink my own Kool-Aid, people. But I'm telling you right now, an agent who doesn't know this is sailing with the anchor out. The end. Every time you talk about bottling the production method, by the way, I think about what scent it is, like a cologne or a perfume. Like, what scent would the production model it's be? It's the is scent it? of money. Okay. <laughs> totally set you up for that. All right. So here's my here's the other question that's popping in my head. Because I I think I do some of these things naturally, as some people listening do, but not probably not all of them. And as I've tried to train people over the years, I found that sometimes they end up getting into these conversations where they think they're doing discovery, but they're truly just having long drawn out conversations that go nowhere. Correct. Do you find that when you're teaching people this to start with, and this will kind of go into Zahira's conversation, which is, uh, you know, can you give examples of discovery? Absolutely. On both accounts. Uh, the truth is agents don't know what to say. One of the most common questions as a coach I'm asked is what should I say? Or what are the right questions? Or that classic, who should I talk to? Okay. These are the questions as a coach, you know, you hear these things from people and it's natural for people to ask these questions because they're being honest. They don't know what to say, <laughs> right? Well, what do I say to a complete stranger? What do I do? And in the production model, I teach exactly how to do that. It is a skill. It is learnable, but it's kind of like a golf grip. If anybody plays golf or tennis and you've ever been taught a new grip, uh, uh, you know, change is uncomfortable. But once you've been at the driving range or on a ball machine enough, it becomes more second nature and you can do it without thinking. And you learn by doing, as you go through your day, how to talk with people in discovery mode. Just yesterday, I got a call from a production model, someone who's one in my program, and they just opened an $11 million multi-unit in LA, right? And last month closed on a $4.5 million one, and he's in Toronto. They think, no, Calgary, they think he's in LA. He's a, he's a Californian, he has a California license, but his wife is a stunt woman and she got a gig on a movie up in Calgary. So they moved for a year. It was a, a trilogy of movies. And so they're up in Calgary. They have a baby, they're pregnant. That's a stunt. <laughs> and, and he's doing business in LA because he's calling people and talking with them in discovery mode and finding the opportunity that other people are missing and specifically using opportunities within the conversations. So, so can you give an, I mean, I know we have six minutes. Is it, can you give a specific example of discovery or is it more like a whole separate, like the, it's the ideology behind it rather than a specific example? Yeah, I have many, many case studies. I'll give you the, the, the example from the open house because we were talking about it. So they walk into the house. It's the end of the day. And I say, I bet you know how to look at property. And they go, ha, ha, ha. and I said, look around. I'm, I'm wrapping up. So they go look around. Cause you know, it's a $3 million home. Obviously there are no rookies. Uh, they know how to look at a house. Uh, so I then wander over towards the front door and I'm doing something on my phone and they wander back from the master bedroom or whatever. And they're headed kind of back towards the front door. And I said, so should we write it up? No, I'm making a joke, but notice it's a question. Okay. If you start with questions, you're on the right track, but not canned questions, not a list of questions. 
And those are fine, by the way. But the problem with canned questions and a list of questions, Jesse, is they stop. Discovery isn't a list. It's a lifestyle. It's a professional lifestyle. Without getting too Eastern and woo-woo on you, I would say you're using your natural personality in your questions. You have a you have a quirky sense of humor, right? I think you and I, we align in that, that sense of humor. And so that energy comes across from an Eastern standpoint. You have that energy that comes across that connects with people that they're just, they're opening up because you're just being you. Does that make yes, sense? Yes, but the key actually psychologically, and you're correct, but the key is when you ask someone a question that's relevant to them, it's important to them subliminally. And so they answer because they like to tell you what they think. They like to opine relative to them. This is human nature. We all do what's in our own best interest. We all seek what's most important to us. And one thing that's important to us is representing the home team. So when I say, shall we write it up? I ask a question that demands an answer in a sense, knowing it's fun, but you don't have to do it that way. You could be Poindexter and have big black glasses and a click a checklist and say, with no, no, nothing on it, but just have it and just say, so shall we write it up? It doesn't have to be humorous, but I think humor and bedside manner is helpful, but you got to be yourself. This isn't the be like Fred show. This is the be like Petrina show or, or Lisa, or I'm looking here, Fran, any of you people, Zahira, Autumn, you know, it's, it's your show. Be yourself. You would tell them that Jesse. So I say, shall we write it up? And they go, no, nah, not really our cup of tea. So I said, knowing how to do this, I said, really, what are the three things you don't like about it most? And they tell me. And then I say, now you got me curious. What are the three things you like about it, if any? And they tell me those. And because I know how to do this, I said, okay, now let me get this straight. So modern to architecture and finishes are important to you? Yes, which is a closed-ended question, but it's still a question. Closed-ended question is a yes or no answer right? Open-ended is they give you an explanation. So I said, okay, I'm curious. What would you do if I knew of a property that fit all the boxes on your checklist? Would you want to know about? It? And they go, well, sure. Do you know of one? And I said, well, I know of one that's a mission on the outside, so not modern, but the inside could be a knockoff for what you're saying. And they said, well, if it was really nice, we might be interested. So I showed it to them. And as I continued in discovery, I learned what they wanted. And I found it and brought it to him and we closed. The other agents never even came up to bat, really, because they didn't know you have to do more than be nice, be professional, hand out your card, get their information, host the open house. That's not why I'm there. I'm there to discover opportunity in any direction, knowing that opportunity is three-dimensional, anytime, any place, any form. Opportunity is always there. That's never the problem. The problem is, can you recognize it? I teach how to recognize it. And that's why we developed that online program. How do people find that program, by the way? Uh, you can go to the productionmodel.com or you can go to fredwilsoncoaching.com or you could, uh, you could get in our, our funnel. Uh, if you want me to email you every now and then, go to fredwilsonpodcast.com and we'll send you a free report on how I talk to 10 people by 10 in the morning every morning. What if you, what if we want you to tap on our window at three in the morning and whisper us sales techniques? Is that, is that an option? Uh, it is because uh, people who uh, participate with my program, they have a 24 hour pass into, into their, the portal. 
And my daily calls are there 24-7. My weekly live stream, they can join and listen to it anytime, is there. And the entire production model, all 90 segments. It's a mini masters in rainmaking. It's all there. And guys, I say this every time we have someone on who has a product, like, I don't make anything if you buy this. I just think you should because it clearly works. Like if, like everything, as you're walking through that live example, Fred, I, I understand the psychology and the structure behind what you're doing, what you're doing. And I noticed in, in the production model, you're actually breaking it down yes. so, so that everyone else can understand. I mean, it's, it's not an accident that you have closed over a deal a week for the last 30 years. It's not no. an accident. It's a skill. It's duplicatable <laughs> no. and it's trainable. Correct. And I've trained many people. I, I could give you many testimonials. I just am not built that way to do that. Uh, we're working on it, but um, it's working for lots of people. I love it. All right. Well, we're, we're at the bottom of the hour. Is there anything you want to leave with to tie it all together? Anything else you want to leave before we wrap up, Fred? Well, I think I would like to challenge people a little bit. You know, what is it you want? Because it's there for you. The question isn't if it's there, it's do you want it? And if you want to learn how to make more money faster and easier in real estate sales without all the breakage and cause all the other things you do that are so incredible to try and generate business in the future, to cause them to be more profitable for you, you got to do this. But it's up to you. It's not up to Jesse. It's not up to me. Have a great day, guys. Fred. I love your energy, man. All right, Lisa, let's make sure he's scheduled again. If you want to come back one more time, Fred, a couple sure. more times. Like, Dude, I, want to, I want to dig into this. All right. Thank good to you. see you again. Everybody okay. have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. So long. Bye-bye. You get a standing ovation. Look at that. Bye, Fred. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.